movie directors have really perfected the drama and the power and the intimacy of the look. We, we have seen it over and over again in movies as two people's eyes lock across the crowded room. Motion in that moment is slowed or suspended altogether. The violins begin to play and all other sounds fall silent. As they hold each other's gaze, everything else fades to gray. Research seems to suggest that there's real power in the look. Mutual gazing actually produces physiological changes. It's called pupil mimicry. As you lock gazes, your pupil and the eyes of the person whose pupils you lock gaze with, they mimic each other and in sync, they dilate or they contract. Do you believe that? That's what I read. Dr. Christian Jarrett, he writes for the BBC and he says, they say that our eyes are the only part of our brain that's directly exposed to the world. When you look another person in the eye, then just think, it's perhaps the closest you will come to touching brains or touching souls if you like to be more poetic about these things. It's amazing how God has designed us. He's given uh, intense power to this intimate and mutual looking. And he allows what we experience on a physiological level to then draw us in to deeper spiritual realities. And that's good news for us. For the last three weeks, I've been positing every week that seeing Jesus changes everything. And so we've been looking at him as the Lion of Judah and as the Lamb that was slain. More good news this morning is that you and I will see that the one upon whom we look is also looking back at us. Research, experience already tells us it's an intimate moment, a powerful moment, apparently a moment when our hearts connect with the heart of God, when our minds connect with God's mind. It's little wonder then that seeing Jesus changes everything. And you and I must not break the gaze. So if you'll take your Bibles with me, we're going to turn once again, one last time this morning to Revelation chapter 5. And when you found your place in Revelation 5, if you would stand so that we might hear read together the word of the living God Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, this is the word of the Lord. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp 
and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book of Revelation, which in particular carries the promise that when the words of it are read and heard, there is blessing in that place. So bless us this morning through the power of your spirit, we pray. Help us to see you clearly as you look at us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So seeing Jesus changes everything, and that's not just what I believe to be true. It's a statement of fact about how God has created us and how it is that we should order our lives by his command so that we might see Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tell us, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Clearly the race set before us is our lives. And it's for God to determine how long those lives will be. And it's also for God to determine what the race course will look like for each of us as individuals. The question we need to ask ourselves is, what are we looking at as we run? What are you looking at? How often are you looking at Christ as you run that race? What you fix your eyes on is your choice. But if you look at Christ, you'll be changed. Your race will be changed and all for the better because looking at Christ is powerful. This vision that God gave to the Apostle John and that, God, and that John then gives to us is, gives us great hope that we are not staring into some black void or into nothingness. No, the one at whom we look is also looking back at us. Look again in verse 6. I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This morning, we're just going to dissect this verse piece by piece. Just four pieces at which we'll look this morning. And the first piece is the number seven. As most of you probably already know in Scripture... Seven is the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. In this verse, we see the threefold use of the number seven. Seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits. You know as well that the number three in Scripture carries uh, tremendous importance 
especially when it comes to the, the perfection of the nature and the character of God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. He is the three times holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. So, with the sevens and the three, God emphasizes to the Apostle John and to you and me in an unmistakable way the completeness that can be found only in Christ. I don't know if you're like me, but I hear this a lot these days. Oh, this thing just completes me. That thing just completes me. (laughs) He completes me. She completes me. Have you heard it? The good news in that is that we recognize that we are incomplete. That's good news. The better news is that God offers us completeness, wholeness in Christ that we will never find anywhere or in anyone in this world. I'm going to repeat that. The better news is that God offers to our incompleteness, completeness that we can only find in Christ. We can find it in no one else. We can find it in no place else. So listen, do not break the gaze. The second piece of this vision at which we must look is that this lamb has seven eyes. Now, I need to remind you that this is just a vision. Our Lord Jesus does not have seven eyes. As we've noticed over and over again, we've noted that in heaven, even now in this moment, Jesus retains the physical body that he had on earth only in glorified form. We could never relate much to one with seven horns and seven eyes. I think we would be too afraid to look. No, the eyes here, they are used symbolically. It's a powerful symbol of Christ's omniscience. The eyes are a symbol of Christ's omniscience. With seven eyes, he can see all things perfectly and penetratingly. And by seeing all things in this way, he knows all things. Nothing escapes his notice. Now, I would ask you right now, as I so often do, is that good news? However, given the level of intimacy we have with ourselves, the knowledge of our thoughts, the knowledge of our actions, we might not think it's good news that the one upon whom we look is looking at us. We may perhaps at times wish to break that gaze, We may perhaps at times prefer to live in obscurity. Or perhaps we prefer that we could just look at Christ through a one-way mirror. We see him, but he does not see us. I think that's what David wants. When he writes these very honest words in Psalm 39, he says, Look away from me, that I may smile again. Strange. Look away from me, Lord, he says, so that David might smile again. See, David knows he's a sinner. He's acknowledged his sin in Psalm 39. 
He knows the anger a holy God has against sin. So the intensity of the gaze of the Lord, it's so searching, it's so penetrating, so complete is the knowledge of the Lord as he looks upon David and as he looks upon you and as he looks upon me that it would be easy to believe that we would be happier, that we would even smile a little more if we could just break the gaze. But we must not. The Lord has so much better for us. He has for us intimacy and vulnerability and power and knowledge of his heart and knowledge of his mind. And he has this soul connection, if I might put it in that way, when we have this mutual looking. So do not break the gaze. The third piece of the vision Again, in verse 6, John sees that the seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. So once again, seven is a symbol of perfection, completion. The point is not that God has seven spirits. He does not. There is one spirit of God called the Holy Spirit. But the seven spirits here represent the fullness of the Spirit of God and the completeness of his power and his work. And so to omniscience, we would add omnipotence. When we look at Christ, we see all power. The seven spirits remind us that God has complete power. He has a fullness of power. And though we're not going to talk about the seven horns in this vision, I'll simply mention in Scripture That horn is a symbol of power. We already talked about the power of Christ on Easter Sunday when we saw him as the indomitable lion of Judah. But here again, the seven horns and the seven spirits encourage us all with the power of Christ on our behalf. It's full, it's complete. Pascal wrote, The greatest single distinguishing feature of the omnipotence of God is that our imagination gets lost thinking about it. Our imaginations get lost thinking about the all power of God. How much do you think about the power of God on your behalf as you run this race that we call life? How often do you imagine what could be With each step you take of the race, if you depended more and more on the power of the Spirit of God. You and I ought to be lost in the imagining of the power of God on our behalf in our lives right now. When we look at Jesus, one of great power looks back at us. And he uses that power on our behalf. Is that good news? Is that good news? Is that good news? Don't break the gaze. Now let's look at the fourth piece of the vision. Again in verse 6. The seven eyes are the seven spirits sent out into all the earth. Sent out. Because Christ sees, because Christ knows, Christ sends. 
Sendeza, S-E-N-D-S. In this vision, John sees that Jesus is simply keeping the promise that he made to the disciples in the upper room at the Last Supper. He told them then, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He said, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. Now look again at verse 6. Where are the seven spirits sent? They are sent into all the earth. And so, to omniscience and to omnipotence, we can add omnipresence. Through his Holy Spirit, the Lord is present everywhere in all the earth, as this verse tells us. No place is excluded No people excluded. No, all the earth is included. We are never alone. Isaiah 49, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Hebrews 13, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear What can man do to me? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord is at work in his people, in his church, and in all places of the world, people can come to faith in Jesus Christ. People, you and I, can grow in our love for Christ as we run the race with our eyes fixed on the one whose eyes are fixed on us. He is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. All-seeing, all-powerful, all-knowing. Is that good news? That's who we see when we look at Christ. And so I plead with you again this morning, do not break the gaze. He sees all. And so he knows the greatest need that each of us has, better than we know ourselves. And he sends the perfect power of his perfect spirit to meet those needs. Again, I know it's easy at this moment to think about things in our lives that we wish the Lord did not see. We think about our lives and the things we wish the Lord did not know about us. And because of those things, we don't want to to look at him. But listen. What the Lord sees and what the Lord knows about us does not cause him to turn away from us. He died because of what he sees when he looks at you and when he looks at me. If I could take us to the cross for just a moment. Matthew writes in chapter 27. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, bear in mind this darkness 
that was over all the land, as you listen now to this blessing that God gave Moses to give to Aaron, the priest, by which he would bless the people of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Why do you think darkness was over the land when Jesus died on the cross? The shining face of the Lord turned away from the son that he loved. The grace and the peace that radiated from the face of the Father was for that time gone. And that's what it means for Jesus to become a curse. The Father turned his face away. Think of what Jesus said to the disciples. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, who is the only person who ever lived, who had a completely pure heart. Only Jesus. So in a way that you and I cannot understand and that we will not experience in this world, Jesus saw God even during his time on earth. He could see God and God could see him. And that's the grievous loss of the cross. In some way, on the cross, Jesus could not see the face of his father. He looked for it and he couldn't see it. And so he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why has the gaze been broken. Little wonder then that darkness came over all the land. R.C. Sproul writes, God is too holy to look at sin. He could not bear to look at that concentrated, monumental condensation of evil. So he averted his eyes from his son. The light of his countenance was turned off. And Jesus bore that loss of sight so that you and I might see. See the Father. So we can look at the one who's looking at us. God the Father turned his face away from his own son so that he never has to turn his face away from you and from me. So please don't break the gaze. Because when you look at Jesus, you will see grace looking back at you. And when you look at Jesus, you'll see love looking back at you. And when you look at Jesus, you'll see forgiveness looking back at you. And when you look at Jesus, you'll see scars and the scars that Jesus retains so that you and I will know when we look at Jesus, the grace and the love and the forgiveness are real. The only way for you and for me to Keep that gaze is through repentance because our sin, your sin, my sin, obscures our view of our Savior. So we must confess it 
often. Charles Spurgeon says, Eyes washed by repentance are best able to see those blessed truths of God, which shine forth from our incarnate God, the bearer of our sins. Eyes washed by repentance can see the Lord. The great Puritan Thomas Watson writes, The clouds are no canopy. The night is no curtain to draw between us and his sight. Now, in light of the cross, I will ask you, is that good news? Don't break the gaze. Keep looking at the one who's looking at you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, if we are not in this moment overwhelmed by the glory of the gospel, through the power of your spirit, I pray that you would overwhelm us even now. That we can look upon your face. That you show yourself to us and all your beauty, your omniscience, your omnipotence, your omnipresence. We can know that you are all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere, present with us. We're never alone. I pray, Father, that you would turn our eyes upon Jesus, that we might look full in his wonderful face, and that the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.